Hi guys, today I was joined by Roger Wilson. Roger is a former back rower for Ireland, Ulster and Northampton Saints. He is now the founder of Tackle Smart, an organisation which uses tackling principles from rugby to help coach American football players. He also works with Isaac Sport Agency to help represent players. We speak about his experience working in the USA, what rugby can learn from American football and what rugby players should be doing more of to help promote themselves. Enjoy. How did you move to the States then? So... My wife is a U.S. citizen, uh, so we kind of, and I retired from from rugby. I finished up at Ulster in 2017, and it had always been a, it's always something we talked about was moving out to the States after I finished up. Um, nothing really against, you know, Northern Ireland at all. It's a great place, a great country, but to, to have the opportunity to go out to America and, uh, you know, start afresh after you know, a long 15-year rugby career. Uh, we thought it would be a good timing, plus the fact that we had two young kids at the time. Um, so that was really the reason behind it. There was a, a few other reasons, like better weather, more sunshine, um, I guess probably more opportunities as well with with work uh, outside of rugby, which the timing was uh, definitely had a, had a factor in that. Um but yeah, I just wanted to go and see something different. And with the wife being a, uh, a US citizen and me having a green card, it just made things a lot easier. Yeah, that's really cool. And then how did that sort of lead to Tackle Smart getting started? So we we, we ended up uh, kind of going back a bit. We were deciding, right, okay, we'll, we'll go to America. Let's you know, where, where in America are you going to go to? Because it's a, a ridiculously big place. Um Obviously, weather was a big factor, so we didn't want to go up north anywhere because of the, the you know the long kind of winters that they have up there. So it was one of the southern states. Um, so we narrowed it down to uh, Texas and Arizona, and we uh, we came out the summer before we came out to Texas and had a look around a few different. I mean, Texas is ridiculously big, but we looked around Dallas and we looked around Austin. Um, and uh, yeah, we just got the good good feel for up in Dallas, the area that we looked. Um, so we kind of just go, all right, let's just stop stop looking, let's just move there, and, and that'll be the starting point. So we uh, we moved with, I mean, there was no there was no job lined up or anything like that for myself. Uh, my wife's work is very much kind of um, online stuff, which can she she can be pretty much anywhere in the world with her uh, business. Um, so the first protocol for me was working in a high performance sports unit run by Michael Johnson. Uh, funnily enough, it was literally about three or four minutes from the, the Airbnb that we first moved to. So I worked there for about three months uh, and that was full of, you know, athletes from, from all different ages, all different sports. You know, you had American football players there who were uh, high school, college and um, an NFL, either NFL uh current players or free agents so naturally you kind of get speaking to them a lot about the uh, you know rugby and, and American football is you know the, comparing the two in terms of sports and and, uh, and the different areas around that and one of the things we, we always get talking about was the whole tackling side of it and I asked some of them you know what whenever they're growing up what what did you what did you do for tackling or how, how were you taught how to tackle and uh, it was like some of them were like we weren't, we just weren't taught anything. It was just like, you know, put your head down, run into them as hard as you can. Others were uh, taught how to tackle a little bit, but it was completely the opposite of what we'd have been taught in rugby. Uh, you know, rugby, typically you're taught how to, as a kid, to 
to get your head behind the runner, um, you know, cheek to cheek and all that sort of stuff to, to keep your head out of the harm's way. Uh, and then in football, um, I just used to call it football now. Like to me, it's, I have to call it soccer or ever, and nobody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, but for, uh, for them, yeah, they were, they were taught how to do that. They were actually taught how to do the opposite. So there, a lot of their coaches would tell them, right, look at the numbers in front of their jersey. Um, and that's where you want to put your head. Literally just run with your head as hard as you can in front of those numbers. Or, you know, you head first into their, into their um, whatever you call the, the face mask on the helmet. Uh, so I was like, Shit, this, is, uh, this is complete opposite to what we're taught. Like, and there's actually, there's no, no kind of um, safety element to it at all. It was just, you know, this is the best way to hit them. Um, don't care about yourself. Just go and hit them as hard as you can. And they agreed, you know, that was like, it was just crazy that they weren't taught and what they were being taught was, was you know, pretty reckless, uh, to say the least. So it was, it was speaking to a lot of those guys there. Um, and also some of the younger guys, you know, you, you'd meet their parents and stuff as well. And be like, oh, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not sure about my kids playing football here. And um, so it was, they convinced me to kind of set up this company uh, and, and coach a lot of the, the footballers, particularly the younger ones who are in, uh, like middle school over here in America, it's sort of the age between 12 to 14 before they go into high school where it gets real serious. Uh, they they said like, you'd make a killing at it. It'd, it'd be really good. So I was like, okay, well, I'll see how it goes. And um, got going on like any kind of, like any kind of startup business or, or whatever you want to call it, it takes time. Uh, so that's how I got into it. Um, it's kind of taken the progression that most of the kids that I'm, coaching are are fairly youngish they're they're either going into middle school and they're just playing football for the first time or tackle football because they have a different variation called flag football which is a bit like our you know touch rugby or, or uh, tag, yeah. tag rugby which is becoming more and more popular out here um and, and less and less parents are choosing to put their kids into tackle football um so they're saying yeah go go ahead and try it and yeah it's been most of the kids have been around that middle school age you've got you know high school kids as well but um it's it's going from strength to strength each year i think it was going really well until covid came up obviously and all the schools shut down and everyone was everyone's learning remotely and then there, there wasn't an awful lot you could do that year but um you know last season was uh or the one sorry that currently is going it's probably going to wrap up very soon um was was, was busy you know it's getting mm. more and more attraction to it so uh, and, and obviously now we've rugby started to take off a bit more in the States as well. And, you know, you get more and more interest off uh, rugby teams as well too. So uh, it's been good fun. It's um, the coaching itself has been good fun, obviously, but kind of also learning how to, uh, to some degree, how to kind of run a, a new business as well has been challenging, but fun as well. Yeah. That's crazy. They're not taught from a young age to tackle properly, I guess. From my point of view, I always just assume they're taught how to tackle differently if they're not being taught at all or they're just being taught something which doesn't even make sense. That seems crazy. Well, it's like they 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 believe, there's a culture of belief that whenever they have the helmet on, that it doesn't really matter what they do, like it's going to, the helmet will protect them. Um, and, you know, ironically enough, whenever you, you have a helmet on, it's a bit like, you know, the argument sometimes with the, with the uh, headgear or the scrub cap and rugby that, you, you become a bit kamikaze and you lose a bit of technique because you you become a bit reckless where you put your head. But it's magnified in, with a with a uh, football helmet on you definitely because they they have the notion that it's going to protect what's inside. But it really is 
not the case because you got to think of your uh, your brain basically like a, a yolk of an egg. Um, and if you kind of get a, an egg yolk and you shake it like that, or sorry, an egg, the yolk's going to shake around inside. Uh, what the helmet will do well is prevent you know, fractures or, you know, superficial injuries, broken noses, uh, all that sort of stuff, fractured skulls in bad scenarios, but it won't stop whatever's, you know, shaking around inside it. Um, yep. So I think that's the half the reason that they just don't bother with technique. But the oh, safety side aside, or safety part aside, they don't, I mean, you've seen probably American football, especially in the NFL, there's so many missed tackles, like it's ridiculous. They just have no technique. They just all they do is run as fast as they can, as hard as they can into someone. For the most part, like it is changing a bit, but for the most part, they just run as hard and fast as they can, and then they're just easily uh, sidestepped or, or juked, as they call it over here. They end up missing so many tackles. So yeah, there's a, there's a there's a lot to be done. Um, yeah, but it's uh, it's a slowly it's a bit of a slow kind of cultural shift in, in accepting the new techniques. Yeah. So for a sport which has so much more money in it than rugby. Why? Why has there not been tackling up to this point, which would lead to like more successful defence as well? Well, some of it is. Um, some of it you got to look. At, there's parts of it on their side that I do understand. Okay, because it's not like in rugby. You know, there, there's a lot more shifting of the ball. I mean, occasionally you see it in special plays in, in football, but. Typically in, in football, once someone gets the ball, that's it. You know, there's nothing else happening. Everyone can just zone in on this guy and, and you know, you might have a, a dozen guys running at him. Um, so they can probably afford a little bit to have one or two flyers just coming in as hard as they can. And if they get if they miss or they get stepped, uh, that's fine because another, another missile is coming in, you know, half a second later, um, basically. So that's probably one of the reasons they, they uh, are allowed to get away with a few more missed tackles um doesn't really give any it doesn't justify some of the, the horrific tackle attempts that you see in some of the highlight reels so like it's embarrassing like some of them they really are terrible but I, I would imagine that's part of the reason um some of it as well is just you know a lot of the coaches that a, a lot of the young coaches coming through are very receptive to these uh like you know rugby style of tackling or shoulder tackling as they call it over here. Uh, the older ones are still a bit more cut, you know, set in their ways. You know, this is the way we were taught. We're not going to change kind of thing. Um, but uh, I mean, there's, there's a company called, which basically does similar stuff to what I'm doing. Um, on top of that, they do a lot of data analysis and things. It's called Adivus. They, they were formed out of Seattle from whenever the Seahawks did it uh, back in 2000 it must be nearly 10 years ago uh, and they do it at a bigger level and they've got a lot of uh, college teams over here doing it and some of the NFL teams as well so it, it is changing but it just takes time you just you know people don't really like learning new things and, and old habits and all that sort of stuff yeah yeah I'm interested to think um, what do you think rugby can learn from football then in terms of the tackling, just or just in general? Yeah, in, well, in, in terms of everything, but I guess we start with tackling. Um, probably not much <laughs> with, um, with tackling and football. Um, you know, generally, I mean, the two sports, albeit they have some similarities, they are very different. You know, I know football originated from rugby um, in the 1880s or something like that. So there is similarities in there especially in the contact zone but 
I wouldn't say rugby could learn too much from football tackling, American okay, yeah. football tackling, to be honest. Uh, I think it's the, it's the other way around. It's That's yeah. a complete shift on that. It's the other way around, like uh, yeah. American football can learn from rugby. Um, what what uh, rugby can learn from uh, football over here outside of tackling and just in terms of how to – I mean, there's so many issues now with rugby at the moment with um, – you know, concussion and tackling aside with, you know, trying to grow the game. Because you got to remember, like, rugby's only, what, 25 years old or something like that. So mm. it's still a pretty pretty new sport professionally. Uh, but I could learn a lot from over here in terms of the marketing. Like, even even the MLR, which I don't know if you follow at all. Uh, I follow, like, all their – just being involved in the agency business out here. I follow all their, um, you know, the social medias and all that. And it's brilliant what this, what they do. They're, it's just so different to, you know, traditionally what – uh, rugby environments are, are like back home they're just they're, they're no real i guess you put it like they're no real shame in what they, they do they're just very out there and uh, trying mm. to capture young audiences and, and um, they're just brilliant at, at marketing a team um and that goes right the way obviously you know rugby's one but uh, from you know american football all these major league sports nba baseball it's just unbelievably marketed really really well and attracts new audiences and Sometimes you might you might not have a brilliant game at the end of it, but it, it's a bit like the boxing analogy. Like it's the whole build up to the fight. Everyone just gets so excited about the build up and how it's well how well it's marketed um, that you get eyes on it, and that's the key to it. Like you know, you're not always going to get the best fight or the best game, but yeah. you've got to create that hysteria around you know the the build up to it and everything. And um, yeah, sometimes probably in rugby we're still left behind a bit in that we just need to be a bit more you know get outside the comfort zone and be a bit more um uh controversial maybe and just just start trying to get more eyeballs in the game so i think you could definitely learn from a lot of um in the nfl how they do it anyway yeah it, it is definitely a cultural difference in between how especially i think individuals within the game like there's no there's no real like Odell Beckham Jr. as a rugby who have like that big of a global brand and are that famous. And yeah. I think we could really do with some of that. Yeah. And, and uh, to be honest, like at the start, it, did, <clears throat> it, it took me a while to, to get my head around that players in the US, you know, in, in the major leagues or not even like in, in college or whatever. Um, it's all about, it's not all about, but a lot of it's to do with their own brand as well. Uh, so, you know, it's there's so much emphasis on statistics here in support. So, you know, a player can have it's all about you know uh, running yards or you know rushing yards or you know all, all these different things. You got s- certain percentages this week and this and that. It's all done on stats, and sometimes there, there can be a little bit of like, do I put myself before the team here? Uh, and rugby is a bit. Rugby has uh, always been this sort of ultimate team game. That, you know, you, you never want to put your head above the parapet. It's all a team game. Nobody's bigger than the team kind of thing, which I get and I understand and I still agree that that's the way it should be. But what what they need to get better at is accepting the fact that players need to market and brand the, their individuals better because until they do that, um, nobody's going to nobody's gonna know a lot of these players who have you know brilliant personalities and, and um, not to mention how good they are at the sport so they need to be uh, and I see it's, it is happening more and more but um, like it's, it's definitely a cultural thing that they need to just you know get outside their comfort zone and just 
uh, forget about how cringy it might look to their their teammates and everything, but you need to sort of push your brand as much as you can. And that's done in sport, like in, in America, massively. Sometimes it is a bit like, it's like, you know, a team might be getting beaten by 40 points or whatever, and then someone someone sacked the quarterback from the team that's lo- that is losing, and he gets up and he runs over the crowd and does all these celebrations. You're like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you're losing by 40 points. But for him, that's a that's a highlight reel that we play throughout the week on ESPN, on this and that, and then he just gets his name out there. And um, Yeah, you just got to swallow your pride a bit and uh, promote yourself a bit more. I think that's what the Americans certainly do a lot, not just in sport, but in uh, general life out here. Yeah, so would you say it's like it seems more like America as a whole culturally affects the NFL and then like the culture over here in the UK sort of just leeches onto the sport? Yeah, I mean, people, the culture back home is still a little bit of, you don't want to, you don't want to put your, yourself in a position where you're going to get shot down kind of thing. Mm. Um, it probably comes from the fact that, you know, America is a country where there's been, it is built on kind of uh, immigrants coming and and, um, and finding a new life and just having to having to really work from the bottom up, you know. And I think to do that, if you're if you're caught in a rat race in, in a in a big city, um, you gotta. There's no room for being, um, you know, sitting back and just going, "Oh, I hope it's going to work out." You gotta you gotta you know fight to the top and you gotta put your put your name forward and you know. Sometimes do things which can be a bit embarrassing or a bit uncomfortable, but again, at the end of the day, if it's going to get you noticed or if it's going to get get you somewhere, that's I mean, I think that's their that's the general kind of theory on it. Um, in many ways, you get, you know fake it till you make it kind of thing, uh, which sometimes you can see through it, but um, it's 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 commonplace over here, like it really is. Yeah, and working with an agency, do you find you have those conversations with rugby players? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's definitely the ones back home definitely i mean even though even the u.s players that i speak to uh they will be they'll have that u.s uh mindset that you know they don't care they'll promote themselves until the cows come home but the ones back in the uk they still need still need sort of poked and prod and be like you know come on let's uh don't be afraid to talk yourself up a little bit here and, and this and that but um I think that will change. I think, as I say, it is a cultural thing. It doesn't change overnight. But if, if people really want to to grow their own brand and grow their their sport, the the whole sport as well, they they got to start doing that. But yeah, they are they, they are sort of conversations you do have within the agency. Yeah, yeah. And do you find it easy to convince players eventually to sort of like start taking those steps? Uh, you can persuade them. Yeah, you can. You, you can they agree that that's what they need to do, whether or not they always go ahead and do it easily um, is, uh, is another thing. I mean, I, I personally like, you know, like with, for example, with tackle smart, like I, again, I'm not one who is very you know forthcoming and trying to promote myself as being like a, an expert tackle coach and everything like this. And, you know, my wife's very much, uh, she's, she's been working, she's a, a very successful business of her own. And, um, She's also, a, you know, a, a successful in the fitness industry too. And uh, she'd have, she's lived in the USA since she was uh, 18 years old. So uh, she's kind of immersed in the culture and how you, how successful you, you can be and how, how 
what you have to do to get there. So uh, she's constantly at me to go, you got to be uh, promote yourself more and this and that. It doesn't come easy because we're used to a culture where if you do it in a, in a locker room, it's like, oh, what are you doing? Like, you know, like fucking cringy bastard, you know, mm. like what? that's embarrassing, like, you know, and just getting shot down. And that's why people don't do it. But uh, I think I think it is changing. You see more and more players kind of just not giving a shit to just get on with what they, they want to do. And and, and so and, and all, all part of them, because at the end of the day, the people who are are, um, are, are knocking them down are they're they're only they're only jealous of other people's success. Yeah. Um, so I think more part of the people that do have the the confidence and get out of their the comfort zone to do that, the better. Yeah. So what what sort of things like should players be doing right now to sort of help, I guess, like promote themselves and get themselves out there? Um. Well, I would say, like, there's what what's happening at the moment in. In the Premiership, for example, you have, you know, you've, you've two teams which have, have just gone into administration, um, and you've, you've you've had so many players and that are have just gone. I mean, a lot of them are slowly but surely getting sorted out with other clubs, but a lot of them won't. Uh, so I would say, like, if you could, if I could rewind back time for my career, like at the start, I certainly for the first 10 years of my career, I just wasted so much time, like literally just wasted so much time, and you know, whether that be uh, going on nights out or just sitting in front and playing Xbox or whatever, you know. Um, you got to be, I think it's up to the authorities now, whether whether it's the clubs themselves or whether it's the unions or players' unions to not just advise players to uh, be proactive on, on um, you know, life after rugby or life within rugby, uh, but they've got to actually force it and say, listen, you have to get on with uh, you have to do this and this and this, whether that's studying or whether it's doing, a, uh, you know, work shadowing or whether it's setting up your own business or whatever. Mm-hmm. You've got to get ahead of the ball because um, at the time you retire, you're seeing players now who retire. Um, even I mean, even me in, in my mid-30s, uh, I retired and still didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then, you know, it's it's obviously, you know, if, if I set up a company like Tackle Smart, for example, uh, halfway through my career, then whenever you come to retire, it's all it's all already hopefully flourishing. So I think what I'm trying to say is like, do something, just latch onto something early, and then by the time it comes to finishing your rugby career, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be a much better place, and that that includes even anything like network and studying and things. But if I were the if I I mean what Saracens did with um, obviously it wasn't. Uh, they got it completely wrong with going over the salary cap and things, but what they did with uh, trying to help players work on their, uh, you know, create a business. Mm-hmm. They had a business idea and, and whether that be helped through the the owner or whether that be helped through sponsors or whatever, I thought it was a brilliant idea. I think every club should be doing that now. You know, you had guys within that squad who the majority of them would have had, you know, uh, at least been working on jobs that they could walk in, walk into once they finish playing rugby. So I think that's uh, a big thing that needs to happen from not just whenever you, you start getting towards 30 years old, but like early 20s, you got to start working on that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's good as well. A lot of clubs will like link with universities to help sort of, you know, you can play rugby and study at the same time. To like, If things go wrong, you've always got something to look like, step back on. Yeah, they should. I mean, that's um, 
they need to realize now that uh, you know the, the salary caps coming has come down last year and um, it may not go up uh, right away and wages are probably going to level out a bit or come down a bit. Players need to be players need to be more than ever now like they need to focus on what they're going to do after rugby or not even after rugby they need to do something alongside it because a lot of the reports that I'm hearing is that the players who actually are, are have some sort of a business venture that they do alongside their professional rugby career often often that actually complements their rugby and mm. sometimes you, you can get a bit too infatuated by your training regime and, and you can almost get burnt out mentally of just rugby 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 so if you've got something on the side to distract you from now again it can be um, it can be a benefit you can actually play better rugby that's that's what I heard in a lot of stories on that. Yeah, I think that's so true. Yeah, like, just yeah. Um, so what, what's your sort of goal with tackle tackle smart then? Like, where do you see it going? Um, my goal at the beginning was to was to really push on and and um, get involved more, probably with the more so with the colleges. And um, I mean, ultimately, like it would be a dream to get involved with uh, one of the NFL teams. That there's been a bit of a stumbling block in trying to really uh, get a foothold in the in the high schools and colleges, just because you get to that level, it is. I mean, it's it's serious uh, serious business here. Like high school football in Texas is is ridiculous. You know, they our local team here uh, where we live, they have a. I think it's a sixteen thousand seater stadium, mm. and they 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 fill it out every week. I know they don't have as many games or whatever, but they fill it out every week. Um, you know, they've got TVs playing, they've got season ticket holders, they've got sponsors. It's like a professional team, basically. Mm. Um, and with that, you know, just how professional is that? You know, they've got a coach and setup who are under a lot of pressure um, to win games, and um, if they don't, then they'll probably get sacked. So. They, because of that, they're very protective of what they do, what they know. Um, they're not always receptive to new ideas and, and, and new things. So that's been a bit of a, a tough one to get into. But uh, there, there's signs that that will kind of break through, hopefully next year or the year after. So uh, I don't really have a specific goal, honestly. It's just a bit of a, as I said, it's very seasonal. It runs from kind of May, June time to um, November. So, you know, you're talking five months max, really. And uh, so I really just take it by take it by each year and see how and each year it started to grow and grow. So um, I definitely will need more help at the moment. I've been doing pretty much myself uh, the whole time. I think next year I'll probably need to need to um, uh, get some help as well, maybe from the local uh, MLR team here in Dallas. Some of the players might uh, be looking for a bit of extra work. So um, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, no goals at the moment, but uh, eventually I kind of need to take that step up probably. Yeah. There must, to be fair, there must be a lot of growing... It, like um interest in it because there's so much stuff about concussion and um football over there that you hear about there is yeah there is and and um you know the latest one was the the dolphins uh quarterback and the whole yeah. scandal that went on with him um that was that was ridiculous it was completely ridiculous i mean to anybody who doesn't know anything about uh the sport never mind concussions you could see that the guy was in a, in a bad way um, the first time he went off, uh, you know, he was stumbling. It's it's, it's really easy to say if someone's got a, a concussion uh, or a brain injury. Is it? It's uh, it really is. Um, and then to play what four days later, 
and and to get uh, another concussion, which looked it was a it was a pretty horrible kind of image of him being struck out and then having that uh, instinct, you know, his hands come up in the air, and yeah, that's I mean that's that's dan- that's dangerous, like you know, it's really really dangerous for that to happen. So that was a big big surprise that they were really able to let him come back four days later. Uh, thankfully, he hasn't. Uh, I don't think he's played since then, but mm. since then, I think they've had. It's all. A lot of the concussion protocol in in rugby is very similar to NFL. So you know they have to do their, you know their match day uh, HIAs and, and everything. And once they pass those, they've got to do the next sort of five days or whatever. Um, you know, return to play, progressive each each day. So it's very similar to what happens in rugby. Um, but the amount of money that, that there is in in football, especially in the NFL and in, and in college as well. Um, is just ridiculous. So there's a huge, huge, huge pressure to have players, your best players on the field each game. And uh, there's a big moral dilemma as to, uh, um, well, this this case in point is, is a good one. Like the guy should have never been on the field. It's like quarterback is such a key position in in, uh, in football that your backup and many times is, is nowhere near the quality of the, the starter. So the fact that you uh, might be missing a guy for a few weeks and then miss the chance of getting the playoffs, it's, it could cost your franchise millions and millions of dollars. So there's a lot of pressure from from a lot of different people to make sure your players get on the field. But um, the guy, uh, and on top of that, you know, there's there's there's, there's the 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 franchise medics. Um, there's the NFL have uh, you know neuro. I don't know what's neuro get a technical word for it anyway and then on top of that they had independent ones as well watching um employed by the nfl and they also have uh, i think someone within the nfl players union as well so i think the guy who got sacked from it all was uh sacked by the players union uh, it's all very complicated is what i'm trying to say you know there's yeah. a lot of different people um but it wasn't right. It wasn't a good look, and it just raised the debate of the concussion as well. Again, once again. So, um, yeah, it's the number of players playing American football here is uh, at at um, schoolboy level, at middle school and high school is uh, is dropping. It has been for quite a while. Um, they're they're choosing different sports, like you know, football or European soccer. Um, even things like lacrosse, uh, there, there's more and more players playing that. There will still be a demand. There will always be the demand to play um, players playing the NFL because of the money, you know. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, it's it's definitely a concerning thing for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, look, thank you so much for that chat. Really interesting and just yeah, great to get an insight into Taco Smart and what life's like over there. No worries at all. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. 